your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Sola. I'm on the phone with me a month into the job, a month and seven days into the job. Lacrosse County Sheriff John Siegel, he's going to join us. He's going to spend the hour with us. So if you have questions, shoot me a text 608 785 7914. I sent John. So sometimes we game plan a lot, sometimes we game plan a little, and sometimes I just game plan and then send I sent John the agenda literally two minutes before the show and it's got about sixty five things on it, John. Do you think let's waste some time talking about your kids first though? <laughs> yeah, there's a there was a lot on that on that document that I had two minutes to read. I think your reaction was something like, Wow, there's a lot going on in the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I said. And, and a lot of this, I mean, some of it is just kind of police narratives in the in the media, but a lot of this is like our world, right? Lacrosse County, just our little world here. Yeah, you know what what happens nationwide? I think um, affects us and drug trends and what's going on. So yeah, everything that you sent has some kind of a a connection or a piece to Lacrosse County. Being in the sheriff's department for over 20 years, uh, is it, it's over 20, oh, no, near, okay, wait, law enforcement for nearly 30 years, right? And with right, the so Lacrosse County... I've been in Lacrosse for 20 years. Okay, there it is. I have, I have 20, and I almost, I think I begin 30, and I go into year 30, starting year 31 in, in June. Yeah, because I was thinking, because I didn't, I, I, I grabbed my notes from last time you were on, and I saw 20 years, and I knew it was 20 years in lacrosse, and then I looked up and I said 30 years, and I'm like, oh my God, because a lot of this yeah. stuff, uh, some of these, okay, so, like, the joke sometimes with Midwest and just, like, like uh, rural is, you know, something, something in the, in, in Hollywood, a, a, fa- a trend, a fashion, a song will catch on somewhere else and it'll trickle to our area maybe a year later or something like that. Does that, and it's a weird kind of uh, comparison, but does that happen with like stuff like the like drug situation we have now where it was really prevalent, you know, oh, you know, somewhere else, a bigger, bigger cities. And it kind of eventually comes to us sometime later. Do you kind of see this? Oh, you know what? This is starting a trend and, Los Angeles or something like that, Chicago, and it's going to get here in a, in about six months or a year. Yeah, and you know, you do because you'll start to read in the papers of, you know, even when heroin started coming back again. It really wasn't in Wisconsin immediately. You started seeing it on the East Coast or the West Coast, and then all of a sudden it starts um, showing up here. And I think you see that um, with a lot in the drug area and also in the some crime areas with scams and frauds and that kind of stuff. Um, it'll begin somewhere else and then just catch hold and, you know, come across to the Midwest. Okay, we're deep diving too early. I don't want to do that yet, but that's kind of the part of the conversation we're going to have. Uh, drugs, drug overdoses here. Um, the the policing study committee, I want to get your take on that. Uh, the the Tyree Nichols death in, in Memphis where the officers just beat that guy to death and then, uh, there's some new news there. Just how I, I want to kind of get your take on that, and, and kind of maybe how how people in law enforcement in your inner circle talk about that. If you can talk to us about it, um, what else did I have? Free jail calls, overdose deaths, and then I just I just want to talk about guns if we get to it. It's the bottom of my list. But before we do that, John, you have three children, and I like to do. I don't know why this is a thing between us, but it, but maybe because there's a football thing, and and CJ is. Uh, 
Uh, well, is he going back to school? Can we get an update on CJ's yeah. uh, cornerback status for, nor- what is it, North Dakota? Yes. Yeah. So um, he graduated in December, and he had a COVID year. So in 2020, I believe it was, uh, they played eight or nine games. However, those didn't count as eligibility. So um, he chose to use his COVID year and go back for what essentially is a sixth year of football. All right. So he, he's going to be back next year, next fall. Yep. So he has, um, in the last four years, he's played all 42 games that North Dakota has. However, because the one year didn't count, he gets to go back and, you know, play another season. Okay. Can we divulge like what his other options were? Or do we not want to do that? Because <laughs> he's, um, you know, go out into the workforce. He could go um, to work. You're right. He could go to the workforce uh, as a cornerback, perhaps. Um, yeah. So, um, kind of a long shot, right? But not not like not an extreme long shot. But he there's there was there's there's a possibility here where uh, CJ could be playing in the NFL. Yeah. Well, he has been consistently listed as one of the top uh, 25 corners in FCS and. Um, you know, certainly there are some beliefs that he has that opportunity, which is why he chose to go back and get a second degree or a minor and um, play another year of football. Um, did, did Dad go, hey, CJ, you get that extra year and college kids can transfer pretty easily. Could you just come a little closer to home? It's a closer you drive. Know, <laughs> you know, the transfer was a, um, was a big decision for him because he has spent five years in North Dakota and gave them, you know, what would normally be a full, um, a full time there. And there were some opportunities to move up to um, some FBS schools and even within the Big Ten, but felt like knowing the system in North Dakota and being comfortable there was the best fit for him. And as good as, as, good as he is as a cornerback on defense, he's also pretty good at the return game as well, right? Yeah, he had a nice season. He ended up, I think, Seventh or eighth in the nation for average in kick return, and it's more than just two, right? Because my my high yeah. school career, I have a forty-one yard per catch average, but I only had two catches. Yeah, interestingly <laughs> enough, he did not do it the last four or five games of the season just for uh, the injury risk. Right yeah. when you're in the return game, you can get hit pretty hard, and they decided they didn't want to take that risk any longer. So, but he had enough um, returns and yards to. To qualify. All right, and not to be unfair, I think I'm going young, youngest, oldest. Uh, Jasmine is a, a UW Green Bay student, right? Correct. Yep, she's my youngest. CJ is my oldest. Oh, my bad. She okay. At, yep, she's at the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay in her second year there. How how is she doing there? She's doing well. Um, we don't see her a whole lot. Um, she does come home on the weekends occasionally, and I think she is um, finding her way. She's a part of. Uh, a couple of campus clubs, but one of them is um, women of color on campus, and she's really enjoyed that. Um, does oh, what was what's CJ's major? Uh, he communications. Communications. Okay, terrible, terrible yep. guy. Uh, no, that's my that was my major. Um, and and what's Jasmine's major? Uh, social work. All right, and then Antonio is your twenty two year old. Do you want to give give an update on him? Yeah, Antonio is our. Um, 22-year-old with autism, we are currently in Special Olympics. So two weeks ago, we were in Verona um, for a competition, and they played at halftime of the UWL game on Saturday night, and I think um, in two weeks we're in Stoughton for um, a couple of games. So 
And, when and you... for people who don't know, lacrosse has really an amazing special recreation program. Okay, so is he playing football? Is that what's going on? Basketball. Basketball. Oh yeah, well, I was thinking yep. of uh, I'm, my head's in football. So he's uh, what is he? Point guard, center, shooting guard. Well, he's about six foot four, so he should be a center <laughs> or a forward. But he never sees a three pointer. He doesn't like so. <laughs> oh, he's he's a point forward. Maybe. No, he, once you hit, once you graduate high school, and once you get out of school, but when they typecast you as a tall kid playing center, I should know this from experience. You're the tall kid. You play center. And then you get to college, or you get out of school, and you go play pickup ball and stuff like that. You you tur- you turn into Steph Curry. We all do. That's what happens. So yeah. that's fine. Well, I think Until when he was seven years old, he was launching threes. So yeah, that's uh, the new. I think that's the new thing now because uh, everybody loves Steph Curry. I think that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So uh, that's John Siegel. That's the the kids update. <laughs> For some reason, that's the thing we do. I, I maybe because CJ plays football and I, I'm into that. But um, obviously, we don't want to play favorites here. And I might. I, I don't know. Jasmine sounds pretty interesting. We should get her on the phone about uh, some of the clubs that she's in over at UWGB. Um, like I said, a couple of things I want to talk about: drug overdose deaths, police study committee here in Lacrosse County, and free jail calls, among other things, with Lacrosse County Sheriff John Siegel. When we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Lacrosse County Sheriff John Siegel is in, well, he's on the phone with me. And I got to pull the text line up just in case I get some text here, John. Uh, I always do this. We get into talking and then I forget to look at the text line. But uh, Siegel's been, like we said, Siegel's been in law enforcement for 30 years and in Lacrosse County for over 20, I think now. Um, but you're one month into being a Lacrosse County Sheriff. Do you just want to? Do you want to give us the? Phew! I'm, you know, like how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, it's gone uh, really well, and I will say that the um, amount of people that I've talked with um, that have come in to see me, it's been great. But at times, it's been a little overwhelming. Either at the same time, um, just the amount of programs and pieces that the Sheriff's Department is involved with. Uh, anybody who we're partnering with wants to have a conversation about how does that look moving forward. And the good part is we have really good partnerships and really good people we work with here in Lacrosse. So um, those conversations have been great. Yep, we're going to continue moving forward and, and working together. Is there, are there other groups that want to get involved, or do you have to ax out some of these because you're like, oh, this is overwhelming? Um, I don't know. I I haven't had to um, move anything or say I can't meet with somebody. We just I've just tried to make sure that I take time um, to speak with everybody and really listen. And that's what the last 30 days has been a lot of listening, educating myself, understanding on areas that um, maybe I didn't have as much knowledge. I come from the patrol and the investigation side, so I've really tried to immerse myself on the jail operations. I knew how our jail operated. Um, but the day-to-day operations, the um, people that they're seeing coming in and out, medical, mental health, things like that, um, really try to, to spend a lot of time learning more about how we're operating and where we can continue to get better. This is always kind of interesting because we elect sheriffs, so sometimes they come in, not that you don't have any experience, but you know, sometimes they could come in with no experience. Um, do you feel like do you do you have to confide in anyone? Do you go to sh- the to former sheriff Jeff Wolf and go, hey, what did you do here? Do you bug him at all, or or who who do you bug to get advice on on some of the minutia? Well, our uh, um, my chief deputy Mike Horseman has been with us for a long time, 
And so I talk with him a lot every single day um, on, you know, an array of topics. Uh, Jeff and I text back and forth when needed. And I, I'm lucky I have a couple other sheriffs throughout the state who have been friends of mine for a long time. And so I'm able to um, call them or ask questions, you know, when I'm not sure what we're doing here or if I have a question about how we're doing something. Do you do you feel like maybe you're getting taken advantage of when you have to? I have to have all these conversations with all these group, groups because you're the new guy and you, you don't want to offend anyone and and uh, but you only have so much time in the day and you have to do you know sheriff's work. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, being taken advantage would be uh, a term to use. Um, I've actually really enjoyed them and um, appreciate people's perspectives and thoughts and you know, feelings on um, whether they agree or disagree with how we're doing things. All right. And we'll get, we'll get into the, the policing study committee here in a little bit, but you mentioned the jail. Well, you mentioned, you know, not, not so much the jail, but like when, when you talk about some of this stuff, Oh, these are things, you know, I got to get up to speed on or, or things I didn't know about. Is there anything that just stands out? Like, Oh yeah, this is a thing. This is an issue that the, the sheriff's department really deals with. You know, I think I have, and we we just brought up the jail, but I have a bigger appreciation for how our staff works day to day and the situations and um, bookings and releases and people in and out than I did 60 days ago. Okay. Why is that? Like what, (laughs) just because it's, uh, we, we, we work with a very diverse population. We have a lot of people that come in with medical needs. We have a lot of people that come in with mental health needs. We have people who are angry and upset um, for what the situation maybe that they were in or that they got arrested. We have, as you know, in Lacrosse, um, some alarming overdose rates recently, and that also um, then trickles down to uh, people coming in and out of the jail. We have people who um, may have been uh, at the hospital or had Narcan used and then through a probation hold or whatever offense they were arrested for are in our jail a short time later. Um, You know, so we have medical watches and um, so yeah, just that day-to-day taking care of the needs of of people coming in and out. I have a bigger appreciation for for how our staff handles themselves and, and I've actually been really proud of them. Well, it's kind of the it, it, they deal with the same situation that regular deputies and officers deal with, right? Like just, but but maybe the they they might get the worst of it because they always get the people that are going to jail, right? Like when you're pulling somebody over or have to, uh, you know, uh, communicate with somebody in the in the field. I guess you would say they might be innocent. They might not have done anything, and you they're free to go. Uh, but in the jail, they're they're they have done well. They have allegedly done something. That's why they're in jail. So you they kind of get the worst of what everyday police officers do. Yeah, and I think they have um, a really good understanding of of their role as being um, you know our booking officers to our housing officers and taking care of the needs of people coming in and out and. Um, you know, we're going to get into the, the jail phone call piece, but even people coming out to make sure that um, if they can postpone, we're trying to help them do that. If they have to get um, family things in order, that we're trying to, you know, help make sure that those arrangements are made. So, 
um, yeah. yeah, we. I just think we do a uh, a really good job with a very diverse population. Well, this kind of the narrative uh, over the past couple of years with police is, and I brought it up multiple times. We make police officers and sheriff's deputies do all the things. So there's, you know, there's a world while lacrosse count. Uh, the city of lacrosse is doing this a little bit, bringing like having mental health professionals go on certain calls. Um, is the county doing that too? Are you guys doing that? Are you thinking about doing that? We have not started doing that yet. One of the reasons is our call volume is a little less, but it is a program that, um, in fact, Chief Gudron and I were just talking the other day that we feel like should continue to be expanded. And we do have um, a dedicated, if you want to call it, mental health worker within the jail facility. Um, working with inmates and seeing people on a on a day to day basis. Is that person just overwhelmed? I feel like you could use maybe more than one. <laughs> uh, well, we can. The conversation of we can always more use more people is definitely out there, and um, something I've talked with our county board members and um, about moving forward. But yeah, we certainly could use more medical mental health staff um, within the jail. But I do believe that. You know, expanding the um, the workers in in the squad cars or out into the county on Alaska Holman would be a good thing. Yeah, the 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 conversation I had with Kudron was, uh, you know, part of that was when when they decide to have mental health professionals go out on calls. Uh, some of the, those police officers get trained in that area, and then they kind of convert from regular police officers to mental health professionals. Um, some people, you know, you have to have somebody willing to do that too. You know. Right, and I think, you know, that comes down to how you communicate, how you treat people, and those officers with the mental health professionals with them are probably getting even a better education on that piece because they're seeing it firsthand. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, we got two minutes here. I, don't, I, don't, I just want to get your take. We, we talked about this a while ago, the county board. It, I thought they, this was a done deal. We're going to have free jail calls. Um, jail calls were, I believe, 21 cents a minute. Uh, two-thirds of that went to the county as commission, and a seven cents of that went to the company monitoring the jail calls. Um, the, I, the, the last word I got was free jail calls would cost about um, is that Has that started yet, and what's your take on free jail calls? Yeah, we are working through the logistics of it right now. There were um, The resolution was passed, and... Also, one wanting to cut some of the revenues in that $0.21 cent piece. So work, Securus is the name of the company that we have a contract with. We're currently working with, with them to try and come up with the best way to, to do this. Also, we had to um, – our infrastructure wasn't quite there for everybody to have free phone calls every day. So we're working on the infrastructure piece through the company. But um, the hope is that within this first quarter that that's going to begin. I don't know exactly what – 30 minutes looks like yet if it's going to be two 15-minute phone calls, if it turns out to be 20 minutes instead of 30, depending on, um, you know, how things work. But it's been, uh, I came into that uh, just after the resolution was passed, and so we are moving forward with it. Um, but I think the county board and our Judiciary and Law Committee have to continue looking at what the best option to implement it is would somebody in jail get like a one 20 minute free phone call a week or a day is that the or is that the conversation the resolution was um per day but we're also looking at what that looks like within the system we have and the um, infrastructure we have to do it 
If if everyone got a free phone call, would everyone want to be on the phone all the time? Do you think? Well, it's certainly going to increase the amount of time that I that people are on the phone. At least we would think, right? Right. So we've not done this before, and there's not a lot of other places that have. So we've been trying to look at what does that look like. Would everybody just use the free phone call and then not make any additional calls? Um, I think you're going to have a combination of that. And when we say phone calls, is it literally like pick up the thing and dial a number like I'm doing in here, or is it some kind of video Zoom call? Yeah, it, we have um, both, but you know, a lot of people use the the video um, calling and visitation, and um, hopefully, moving forward, we can continue to look at the best way to get everybody the ability to, to use it. Like I said, within the housing area of the sheriff's office, we're pretty good. Within the receiving area, there were only so many lines and um, and phones available. So, you know, trying to make it as easy and efficient to do um, from a jail staff standpoint is also important. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot to it. The lines available or the computers available. You can't just have people on computers. Um, what about just free text? I mean, no, nobody under, like, 30 wants to talk on the phone anyway. Just give them, a, let them text. Yeah, and, It'd be easier to monitor. The system, <laughs> the system has e-messaging, um, and there's some rates that apply to that. So, you know, when when the resolution was passed, it was passed for beginning January 1st. I think the... Um, the realistic piece was there were still infrastructure and contract pieces to work through with Securus to make sure that, that we can implement it. And we will, Yeah. Um, hopefully soon. I think one of the big dilemmas is storage, right? Like you have to monitor the calls and then you have to record all that. And th- that, this was the thing with body cams as well, right? Like you have to store all that information and I don't even know for how long. Yeah, um, yeah, anytime that you're storing um, phone and video, with on the jail call end of it, um, Securus has the ability that shouldn't um, cause us any problems. 608-785-7914 is the talk, talk and text line. John Siegel, the Cross County Sheriff's joining us. When we come back, uh, well, we got free jail calls out of the way. Uh, policing study committee, uh, we mentioned overdoses. And then I just, uh, you know, this, this Tyree Nichols Memphis case, I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. We'll be back. Yep. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the text line. Lacrosse County Sheriff John Siegel in with me. He's a month into the job. Uh, he's already ready to call it or just retire, just like Jeff Wolf after one term retired. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. Total jokey. Um, but John has been in law enforcement 30 years. He's been 20 years here in Lacrosse County. And uh, you spent, what, three years to four years as an investigative captain? I. Yeah, three years as the investigative captain and a year as a patrol captain. Uh, this is kind of a goof. Like, this is a very I don't know how things work question, but are there any changes that are going to come within the Lacrosse County Sheriff's Department a month into the job, John? I ha- we haven't had any major changes in the last month. Um, but we did start um, a patrol operations and jail operations group to review how we do things policies, procedures, what we're doing, so that we can bring some changes. We can see where we're more efficient, um, where we can be better, where we're doing well. Um, so we're, we're in the beginning of that right now. And, you know, I do see us trying to 
do a better job of getting to our rural areas. I've talked about that before, um, the Bryce Prairies, the country estates, and there is a, a want out there to see sheriff's patrol cars and to um, have that presence in speed zones and, um, you know, the residential parts of the county. So, you know, that's definitely something we've already started working towards here in the first 30 days. Um, and, and why is that? Why why is, the, is there, like, is stuff happening, like, is crime happening aside from people speeding you say speed zones yeah. but is, is are things happening where you you're you need to get out there just kind of like temper it down you know i think um a lot of a lot of the requests are traffic related because there is more traffic in those areas than there were in the past um we have not and i'm going to knock on wood when i say this had um a lot of burglaries and thefts and that kind of thing here in the last couple of months we're dealing with a lot of frauds and scams. Um, but I think people feel safe, people feel secure and comfortable when they know that we're um, around. Yeah, I think we're we live in, we're pretty lucky. I think we live in a pretty good community where the policing is, is pretty good. And also, um, I, I was at the Y the other day, John, uh, put my shoes on out, just outside the weight room, and somebody had just left their wallet in their bag. Their wallet was just sitting on the bench, open, like it was unfolded. It wasn't... And the bag was there. I and I was there long enough to take a pair of shoes off and tie a new pair of shoes on to go into the weight room. And that wallet was there the whole time. So nobody was around. This is the kind of community we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've always said I think we live in a really good community, La Crosse County, the Cooley region, our villages and, and cities. And we just need to continue to um, make sure that when crime is happening that we are um, you know, working our best to stop it, to apprehend the people maybe that are committing it, and um, you know, keeping people feeling safe. That said, I'm not cond- I'm not uh, advocating for people just leaving their wallets out laying around. I think anyone in law enforcement will say, you know, the easiest thing. Tim Grinke said this last month: uh, lock your doors. Like that's the one, <laughs> like the easiest thing anyone can do. Just lock your garage door, lock your car door, lock your house door. You know, we I just did a video on our sheriff's office. Um, social media that it happened to be the original McGruff ad from the late 1970s or early 80s, whatever it was. And it was on keeping your doors locked, having lights on um, outside your house as still being a simple and effective way to keep things safe. A barking dog, perhaps. My dog just barks every time I come home. I'm like, it's me. What are you doing? Um, You mentioned financial scams. These, These sometimes are forehead slapping to me. But but then again, I like I get tricked once in a while, and then I get to the point where I'm like, wait a minute, this is fake. What am I doing? Um, how, when you say there's a bunch of financial scams out there or new ones, is there a lot? And are are people getting duped at this point? We are. Um, you know, throughout the course of a year, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that we see come through the sheriff's office, and that's not counting the cities and villages um, that people have been scammed out of or given up. The two new ones that we saw this week were um, Ultra Credit Union, a text coming through from someone purporting to be from Ultra, and then a follow-up phone call that comes from a spoofed number that says Ultra and their phone number on it, Mm -hmm. trying to say, hey, your account's been hacked, give us your information, which would never happen. And then another one that we saw this week is a phone call from someone purporting to be from Verizon, saying, hey, you've had two mobile devices connected to your account. Give us your information so we can take care of that. Right. Anytime somebody's calling you like that, 
it's, it, you know, if you have, it's probably fake. And if you have any inclination that it is, hang up and go to your Verizon account, go to your Ultra account, call them directly. But those are two that showed up in the last couple of days. Yeah, the best bet is be like, all right, let me, I can't talk right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up and then I'll just call you back at the main office or whatever. Um, all right, so let's just move on here. The In Memphis, the, this Tyree Nichols case where he was beaten to death, um, it, we're up to like 13 officers being disciplined now. It started with, I think, four, and then it was five, and then it was some of the first responders, and now it's just 13. And I don't know if it's to- – I think it's uh, officers at this point. Um, what kind of conversations are you guys having in law enforcement when something like this happens? Because obviously the public view of police is lessened when we see stuff like this. Yeah, and, you know, one word that comes to mind right away is the guys coming into my office and as we're having a conversation was dismay and disbelief that, that, it, that it even happened, that something like that could happen within law enforcement, knowing what our values are and what how we treat people and the conversations, training that we go through. So I had a lot of people that came in and they would start with, did you see this? I can't believe um, things of that nature. And then the next conversation is that would never happen here, but we want to make sure that that nothing like that ever happens here and how we treat people. And our officers understand that if they're in a situation where another officer is, um, maybe upset or heated, or they were just in a stressful situation that anybody can say, Hey, go take a break. Um, you know, stop, whatever it might be. And I think that officer override and um, making sure that everybody is empowered to, to understand that we are here to serve the public, and that involves arresting people, that involves taking care of these scams, and doing that in a professional manner is so important. But it has had a lot of individual conversations um, over the past week. Well, it's got to be tough, too. If you saw a colleague doing something that you thought was wrong or you, you didn't think was appropriate, you don't want to be a tattletale, but also, like, y- yeah. you know you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. So that's hard because yeah. if, if I saw one of my – if Mike Hayes was uh, doing something in here that I was like – and then I, I would be like, hey, you know, like, how do you even how do you even do that? Well, right, we're – within the law enforcement field, it's a whole different level than what a coworker and maybe a business environment is. Right. If we see somebody who is, you know, violating a policy, going against something, right, people can get hurt. Obviously, in this instance, somebody died who never should have. We have to have the ability and to, to, to stop it, to stop in and say, this can't happen. Right, for sure. Uh, yeah, is there a way? Is there a way within the sheriff's department that you guys have that kind of? Hey, if uh, one of your colleagues is doing something wrong, there can't be punishment for another colleague bringing that up. We we talked about that um, within the last couple of weeks, and going back several years, um, every in service has had at least uh, either a scenario based training that was designed for an officer to override or stop an action or the training on our policy and procedure and and making sure everybody is aware that um, stopping something, what you think might be enough safe fact, or just someone who just finished an arrest and um, 
just needs a break to be able to say, hey, you know what, take that break. I'll transport this person to the jail. I'll take care of it from here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think what, so we have a police study committee, and you've been in, uh, involved in some of these meetings, and I think they're going to bring up uh, their resolution or, or recommendations here maybe next month or maybe the month after, March, April, somewhere around there. Uh, Tara Johnson is kind of the head of that committee, I think. And um, so so we don't have, I don't think we have any huge incidents within policing in the Lacrosse County where we're obviously not anything to the Tyree Nichols where it's national media, but I mean, George Floyd, just not very far away. Multiple things in the twin cities have happened. Um, I think part of this policing committee is to, you know, kind of get in front of that. And if, you know, we have this kind of outside committee, however it's going to be shaped, but you know, at at least we have this where there's not a a reaction to something that's happened, but we're going to have something in place before God forbid anything happens, but you know, what do you think of that? Yeah, and you know, the a lot of terms have come up from advisory to proactive to liaison between law enforcement. I, I don't know what that final shape of the committee looks like and what the final um, charge is going to be. There's a lot of conversations, and I don't know if the final recommendation will come by March or April. The number of topics. Um, that have been addressed over the course of the last 12 to 14 months. And I sat in on meetings earlier. I've been a part um, officially the last two. There's a lot of topics and a lot of places out there from being an advocate for people in our community who maybe aren't comfortable coming to law enforcement to, you know, the advisory piece with law enforcement. And my take from the beginning has been whatever, however this is created, we have to be able to work together. And they have to be able to come into my office and have conversations and see what we're doing. Um, and that could be training-wise, that could be ride-along-wise. And then the law enforcement side, we have to be open to listening to um, the concerns that may come from something. But I think the biggest piece is working together, and um, I think we're moving the right direction for that. Yeah, it's a, it's it puts puts uh, law enforcement in a weird spot because, like I said, nothing has happened to a degree where we would have to really look into an incident. Uh, so bringing up a policing studying committee or forming something that would look into policing matters, you're like, hey, what? we didn't do anything. Like, why? You know, like there's no reaction here. So I, you could take offense to this or you could you could see it as something that's proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would like to view it as being proactive and advisory and working together and you know unfortunately we are seeing the george floyd incident the the incident in memphis these bigger especially in bigger cities it seems like um where maybe the culture is different um from what we're doing here in lacrosse and wisconsin and and in the smaller size cities. yeah definitely um all right i want to take one more quick break and we'll wrap up with john seagull i do, do want to talk about drug overdoses here real quick but uh one minute All right, I'm just going to wrap up here with Lacrosse County Sheriff John Siegel. Uh, we were just talking about the, the show off the air is, is just as interesting. I say this all the time as, as the show on the air. Just there, There's so much more to talk about with uh, the media and uh, police getting shot and police shooting people. That I mean, we could start the show and probably never, never end that conversation. But I, I wanted to go back to something that's happening locally. Um, John, there's there was a record 
overdoses of, I think, 40 overdose deaths in 2020, uh, 33 drug overdoses deaths in 2021. I don't know. I don't. Well, for some reason, I ran the numbers down in 2022 or, or 20. Yeah, 2022. Maybe I have those numbers just off a year, but uh, we had 10 last month, and all of them seem to pertain to fentanyl in one way or the other. Um, I, I don't know. How big of a dilemma is this for the sheriff's department? Yeah, you know, the, the numbers in January were pretty alarming. Um, and we're seeing it in La Crosse. We're seeing it in the Fox Cities and the state of Wisconsin. And I'm going to guess that that trend nationwide probably wasn't very good. Yeah, is there, I mean, what do you guys do? <laughs> you know, drug overdose deaths is one thing, but then, like, you know, finding yeah. finding the source of the fentanyl, well, where it's coming from, that's yeah. kind of the other thing. Right, the the source and cutting, we always say it's the supply piece and the, the demand piece, but right now um, the supply piece and what these drug dealers are putting into, um, you know, the drugs that are coming in, it's just so potent and... Um, I, I can't even imagine how many um, saves there's been. Like, if we've had 10 overdoses, I don't even know what the numbers are for the, the people who almost overdosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's got to be tremendous. And, right, so how do we stop the drugs from coming into the lacrosse community, but how do we stop them from coming into um, Wisconsin or the, the cities, right? Are they coming out of the Twin Cities? Are they coming out of um, Chicago and, right. and cutting off then the flow into there? And then what's going into them? I just think we've seen an increase in the last few years of, you know, it was heroin and it was meth, and then all of a sudden fentanyl was coming into it. And now there's a veterinary tranquilizer from 20 years ago that is being cut into some of the drugs that we're finding in our area, and Narcan doesn't work on that. Okay, that's what... Okay, I thought maybe we had a new Narcan, but you're saying there's another fentanyl-like reaction to a different drug or something that's... Okay. Yep, it's a it's a tranquilizer, and I can't pronounce the name. Yeah, it looks like exilazine. Exilazine. How's that? X Y L A Z I N E. Right. So now we're adding one more piece into into what um, what the user is taking, and uh, you know, I think the potencies and the amount of drugs going into systems is you know it's lethal. Yeah, and then you guys have to deal with the fallout, whether that, you know, like arresting people for doing drugs is one thing, but the, the obviously the, the more important matter is just keeping that out of the community. But people that are addicted are addicted, so we got to get them help as well. Right, so you have to stop the, the, the user end of it um, and try and break that cycle, and then you're also trying to break the drugs coming into the community. And, you know, from a sheriff's office standpoint, we also have the people who have used in the community and then come through our jail facility, the health monitoring, the medical monitoring, um, you know, hospital clearance, because we don't know what's in their system as they're coming. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's scary for our staff as well. That's LaCrosse County, uh, LaCrosse County Sheriff John Siegel. Thanks for spending the hour with me, man. You betcha. All right. Coming up tomorrow. What do I have tomorrow? Oh, uh, Central High School teacher John Havlicek is going to join. I think he's coming in studio. We're going to talk about, uh, I think we're going to talk about the Wisconsin Supreme Court race a little bit. And then, um, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some school matters. We always have some fun conversations. That's coming up tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening.